I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy final Monday, folks. I know. We just realized in the middle of saying that that that's the last time I'm going to say it. We are recording this for you on Tuesday, August 8th for our final release on August 14th. We're using the word final a lot here, and I'm just not going to buy into it. Like, (laughs) yes, it's true. We don't have any plans of doing another one, but life, as we know, is uncertain. And who knows? I don't want to shut that door completely, just like a soft close. Got to keep that hope alive. Yeah, we're not going to deadbolt it. I mean, if I lose the election, we're back in November. Oh, stop it. Let's not even talk about that. (laughs) Let's not even go there. But who knows? Maybe we resurrect this in like five years. Sure. (laughs) Can you even imagine five years from now? No. And by then, you'll probably be fucking running for senator or something. Oh, God, no. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is it. This is documented. People listening. I'm calling it. This is only the beginning for Nia Wasink in politics. Gross. (laughs) I don't know. I'm loving it because I have all these friends now, like on city councils. And I'm just feeling so like, what do you want to happen in this city? Let me know. I've got some sway. (laughs) Brittany with her friends in high places. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I love that. Uh, well, so we decided for this episode that since it is our final one, I'm putting that in quotes, mm-hmm. that we weren't going to have one specific topic, that we were going to kind of use it for reflection, for projection, right? Wrapping up. I think in total over 150 episodes. I know. I think so, too. If we add in all the mini-sodes we used to do, all the Patreon episodes, I'm quite sure we're over 150. So listen, folks, you've got (laughs) plenty of extra things to listen to. I mean, there's got to be nobody. Do you think? Do you think there's anybody that's listened to all 150? Yes. Yes. There definitely is. Who? I'm not going to blast them on this but i know that there are people who listen because i get the text messages and the emails and the people being like oh my god i can't believe you da 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 da." oh i thought the reason i asked you who because i thought you were gonna name a family member oh no (laughs) i was actually i was back in michigan and right now we only have for me at least one family member who's on our patreon and my dad fessed up that he doesn't know how to access the episodes (laughs) yeah it's hysterical. <laughs> so he's paying for it, but doesn't know how to actually listen to him. A hundred percent. He's oh. like, I love the emails. And I was like, oh, like the news digest emails that tells you what's in the episode that you're not listening to. <laughs> That's hysterical. Uh, amazing. Amazing. Well, we put together a couple of questions to ask each other. Yes. And one of the things that 
I added to our question, which maybe we can start in reflection and then we can talk about projection or like mm-hmm. what we're hoping for the future. But I was curious, you know, as we got ready for this episode and we both just started thinking back onto all the many episodes we've done, what are some of your favorites? Like what comes to mind? For like episode content? Yeah. I think we probably had the most fun in like the in-kind episodes because we just had so many ridiculous stories. (laughs) People are wild. (laughs) That's right. Like when we talked about all the crazy things that people try to push on nonprofits. Oh my God. And they're like, what? You could resell it. (laughs) Remember there's like the, just a couple to name a few, there's the queen bed frame that was hand painted with cherubs on it Uh uh-huh i remember that one yep Mm -hmm. never gonna forget that bad boy nope or the what was it it was like this marble table that was like a 12 (laughs) foot table that would have taken like 30 people to lift like where are you taking that to right where are you what is happening here (laughs) who's picking that up and buying that Ah, uh, that's fun. That was a fun episode. How about you, for you? I keep thinking about the episode talking about Jeff Bezos. I mean, like we talked any... about him so many times. Which one? <laughs> I don't. It probably is the first one then I think about. But where you, you just got so upset and started raging <laughs> about <laughs> Jeff Bezos and billionaires, which is going to have a nice segue on our last Patreon. Exactly. I know. Mm -hmm. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, you should listen to our very last Patreon episode because we're going to come back to that. Yes, that that was a good one. I do still think back to our interview with Vu and how fucking scary that was. (laughs) I refuse to listen to it again. (laughs) Like, I refused because now it seems so long ago. And I, when I think of myself back then, it's like I was, I don't know, like I didn't even know what I was doing. And I'm like scared of what it sounds like now. (laughs) Have you gone back and re-listened to any of our episodes? Some of them. The White Saviors one, which is one of Mm. our top episodes I've sent to people. And so I listened to it probably about three months ago just to make sure it was still like relevant was it yeah it actually held up pretty well what are some you know so that one is one of the most downloaded and popular our end of year right like yep. end of year, end of year fundraising mm-hmm. yeah what else are there any others that i mean of course i love the highly researched episodes where i just got of to nerd course. out <laughs> i know it's so good i loved when we did the giving USA data, which we just did again, not too long ago, or like any kind of our predictions, like where you would ask me, like, what do you think people said to this? Yeah. And I would guess and I'd be wrong or sometimes I'd be right. (laughs) Gosh, we had some good content. We did. We did. You know, again, we go back to like why we started this podcast in the first place. And it really was kind of an act of catharsis, right? It was a way for us to process all of these things that we were experiencing within the sector that, you know, some of them were very pretty and nobody was really talking about. And 
I'm proud that we kind of shed light on some of these darker spaces or, you know, called forth some of these, these things that, you know, we're not, we've been trained not to talk about. And I had a new, like relatively new listener the other day just reach out to me and she's like, this is like therapy for me listening to you all talk. Yeah. She's like, thank you so much. She was listening. She's a grant writer and she was listening to the budget one we just did. And she's like, oh my gosh, thank you for saying all the things that I want to say. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I don't think I've said it on the pod yet. I've told you, but I met a listener in the wild recently. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I was at an event and, you know, because I'm going to all the events now that I'm running for office. I mean, not that I didn't go to events before, but now I'm just going to all the events. And I have like my little Nia for Longmont button on. And <laughs> this woman walks up to me and she goes, are you Nia Wasink? And the first thing that clued me into it was that she said my name right. And she mm, said my uh-huh. last name, which like never happens. And I was like, okay, she's in the know. Who is this? Right. She's a listener. She lives in Longmont. You and I don't know her like outside of podcast world. She's a Patreon subscriber. And it was so fun. We had a fabulous conversation and caught up. And it was amazing to have an experience like that, especially before we closed the door. (laughs) And then you sent me a selfie of the two of you together. Yeah, that was after like she made the connection and explained who she was. I was like, oh, my God, we have to get a picture for Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. Man. Well, I think back to when we started this. That first day when we had our friend Andrew that helped us by letting us use his podcast studio. Mm -hmm. And we had no idea how to record or, (laughs) and that I give so much credit and kudos to you for doing the research and figuring out like what microphones we needed and how to record and how to overlay audio on top of each other. But we've recorded since then, since that first day, in some pretty wild places. Yeah, we have. I think it's a testament to our commitment to the podcast that come rain, come snow, come sleet, come pandemic, we were going to record. I know. Come vacation. (laughs) What is your most ridiculous place you've recorded? Probably my 27-foot travel trailer (laughs) that was parked in my brother's backyard. In Florida... In, in like Florida. a bajillion degree heat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I could see the sweat on the Zoom. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. But I was like, I'm going to do this. This will be the most quiet place. My brother's house has really high ceilings. I was like, that's going to be too echoey. I'm just going to go in the trailer and hope it works out. <laughs> what about you? It's probably my grandma's china closet, which I did I when I, I stayed there for about a month, right around when my grandpa passed. And Similarly, like there was just no good place to do it. Otherwise, really thin walls, low ceilings that didn't actually absorb the sound properly. So yeah, hid in the china closet. What was funny is I saw her this past weekend and I was telling her that we're shutting down the podcast and she brought this up as well. Do you remember when you were in my china closet and it was a nice memory for her to have a tie into the pod? Oh, that's awesome. I remember so full-on pandemic, (laughs) starting to come out of it a little bit, but not fully. And we wanted to record together, but not together. And so we recorded in your garage. 
we each had a <laughs> a little box that we put our microphones in to help kind of contain the sound. We put two tables on either side of the garage. And it, it must have been winter because we had the door closed. It was like cold. It was so winter. Like I had a space heater next to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Again, I think you nailed it. It was like that commitment of we're going to do this no matter what. Mm -hmm. We're going to figure out a way. And I don't know. I think it's really because we both just truly enjoyed doing it. And so it was worth prioritizing and making it happen. Mm -hmm. If you think back to that time, we were recording together until the pandemic hit. Like we were in my little office, which I'd converted into a studio. Right. And then I came and dropped off your microphone. I remember it was like the weekend of lockdown starting. And we were so worried that we were going to be like actually committed into our houses. And so I like rushed across across town with your mic so that we could record the next week. And I remember us even saying like, this shit is wild and we're going to want to record about this. I know. Those are the episodes that I really want to go back and listen to. Less for the, I mean, yes, for the content, because it was very timely. Everybody, like, let alone just the nonprofit sector, but, you know, everybody was going through so many massive changes and it was changing daily, you know? And I remember that's because when we first started, we were like, well, let's bank episodes and maybe let's do some evergreen ones that, you know, if we're ever on vacation and we just need someone to, like one to throw in, we'll have it. And we went from doing that to like, no, we need to record pretty much live every week because the shit's changing so fast and we want to make sure it's relevant. Yeah. I know I was looking through our episodes, you know, we obviously covered just like, holy shit, this pandemic is happening. Service needs are increasing exponentially while delivery has to shift and fundraising looks different. So we covered all of that as like real time as it was happening. We talked about just the shift in fundraising. Okay, no galas this spring. What are we going to do about that? But we also covered like the summer of racial justice and also the philanthropy tied to that. You know, the $35 million that went to one organization supporting Black Lives. And what do you do when something like that happens? So, yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting kind of marker of, 2020 in the podcast. I know. I know. I think that that's stuff that we'll appreciate having, you know, long into the future because it's still, I don't know, I still like to think back on the pan. Like part of me thinks it happened yesterday and another part of me thinks that happened 20 years ago. Like it's just time, the concept of time has completely shifted since then. Yeah, entirely. And- The way we do work. Like, I know I thought, okay, we're going to get through this pandemic thing and then we'll start recording together again. And it's actually way easier, both logistically, but also just with our lives to do it via Zoom. And so there's just a, you know, we will forever be changed by the COVID-19 pandemic. Totally. Some other things. What are other big memories that you have from doing this podcast together? You know, we had a couple of really cool speaking gigs. We got to do the opening plenary for the Rocky Mountain Philanthropy Institute, all virtual, which was very fun, very scary. (laughs) Very scary. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't normally get nervous before speaking 
to audiences, but that one, that one got me. Yeah. Well, again, you talked about this new way of doing things that was back in 2020, 2021. 21, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so everything was still virtual. And, you know, how do you engage an audience when you're not there physically? Right. Is, yeah, it was really difficult. And, oh, okay, people can chat, but you got to be able to watch the chat and get questions while you're still having a normal conversation. I mean, we really did gain some skills. Yeah. How about for you? What about the people that we pissed off? Ooh, yeah, we pissed off some good folks, didn't we? <laughs> we did. Isn't there some saying, though, that like if you're not ruffling feathers, like you're not affecting real change. I don't know. I made that up. But it's yeah, like that's not the cliche, but the sentiment's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You actually got something in the mail, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I was interviewed for I think it was a Market Watch article about Daft Gifts and specifically John Arnold, who he and his wife started the Half My Daft campaign. Again, in the pandemic, it was like, let's get funds out the door. But I still had some critiques of the fact that billionaires exist, essentially. Like, yes, it's great that they are encouraging philanthropy and they can and should do more. And I got hate mail. Somebody wrote me a physical letter to my home address. The home address part felt a little uncomfortable. Yes. And called me a socialist nut job. No, communist nut job. Communist. How dare I tell somebody how to spend their money? And... I can't remember what else. But yeah, yeah, it was my first physical piece of hate mail. Yeah, as you said, a little unsettling. But I think at the end of the day, we really kind of celebrated it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> at this point, especially as I'm entering into politics myself, I'm hoping it's just the first of many I receive. I know, right? It was a, a great warm up for you. Yeah. As you go into this next phase of your career. And I'll say it again. Fuck billionaires. They shouldn't exist. I know. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, last one that I really wanted to talk about was our Halloween costume contest. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Oh my God, so fucking ridiculous. I loved it so much. Okay, so for those of you who were not following us during that time, this is a couple years ago, and Halloween is my favorite holiday of the entire year. And so we decided that every week during October, we were going to show up to our recording in, <laughs> in a different Halloween costume, and it would be a surprise to each of us, right? So we would, like, sign on to Zoom, and then we would be in costume. And then we would take photos of ourselves and we would put them on our social media and have people vote on who won each week's costume contest. Oh, my God. It was hysterical. I remember I came as, oh, what's her name? Hello, all you cats and kittens. What's oh, that? Oh, yeah. From Carol... Tiger King. Carol. Baskin. Carol Baskin. I came as Carol Baskin. <laughs> You came as, give me one of yours, remind me. I did Phantom from Phantom of the Opera. Yes, you did. Oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> that was a good one. Blew mine out of the water. <laughs> so good. That was pretty funny to also have the moment of the reveal on camera. <laughs> oh my God, it was so good. And of course, it's just like us in our houses. Right. And like, my kids are at school. 
your, you know, significant other is working. So, like, we're just alone at alone home. And full <laughs> face makeup. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was amazing. That's once in a lifetime right there. Yes. And I'm glad we get to recreate some of it because we're going to a costumed gala together soon. Right. Because we've told our the story of how we become friends. And it was by being each other's plus one at different fundraisers. And like, that's still happening, people. We're still going to fundraisers together. Yeah. I'm very excited to see what you pull out for our 1950s murder mystery gala. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. As soon as we get done recording here, I'm like getting online and I'm looking for costumes. The night before that, I have to go to a 1980s themed gala. (laughs) So having my hair transitioned from big frizzled to 1950s sleek will be very interesting. And I think I'll be at that one too, but I'll be working. (gasps) Oh, I forgot. Yeah, they're a client of yours. Ah! Yeah, they're a client of mine. Funny, funny. That's awesome. What I want to know. What's a story you couldn't tell on the podcast up till now? There's so many, so many where we'd like get off and be like, this is what I really wanted to say, but I can't because we're in the midst of this or they're a client and be too obvious. So we didn't put it out there, but we got some stories. No, but I wish we would have written those down because I don't know if I fully do you have one ready to go that you can think of? I do. Okay, tell me. Uh-oh. It's not actually going to be as shocking because of what I have to strip out to make it anonymous. Sure. So I'll tell you the rest later. But for our okay. listeners, I've told like bits and pieces of this over the last year. This has been a client of mine since last summer. This year, especially, I've done a lot more in-depth work with them. They've got a fantastic fundraiser, but who's super green. Just kind of like fell into the job and she is hungry She reads everything she can about a topic. And she's also just like a born fundraiser. Like she just gets it. So she's been amazing to work with and just so fun to like watch grow. But the organization is a shit show. Shit show. They hired me last year when there was an interim CEO. Did a nationwide search, brought somebody in from out of state. He ended up promoting this woman into their chief development position their highest fundraising position. And I love her. And I told him, like, she's not ready for that. (laughs) She's been a fundraiser for three months. (laughs) And you want to put her in a role where she's responsible for raising many millions of dollars. Right. But he did it anyway. Did they listen? Did they listen? Fuck no. But he was like, I'm going to do it anyway, but I want you to come in and help her some more. I'm like, okay, I think you're being stupid. Come to find out, he didn't even last four months Uh before he left, which really I think was probably obvious from the fact that he was worried about getting snow tires on his Prius in the front range. Oh, we don't get that kind of snow, buddy boy. No. You want chains? What do you want? Right. No, no, no. Shouldn't have a Prius if you're feeling like that. Yeah, exactly. So then they took a current staff member, put him in as interim. And at first, it was going real well. But I think the board was also feeling so burned that then they started being overbearing and then he started being overbearing. So I would characterize the last four months as just 
hostile towards fundraising in general, and especially towards this fundraiser. I have never had a board that is more dysfunctional with fundraising. Every board sucks at fundraising. I've yet to find one that's like, A plus, you're getting it. Yep. Some are like on their journeys, which is great. This board. Sorry. <laughs> on their journeys. <laughs> oh, that's, board that's giving him credit. Yeah. Would love to only be able to give advice on fundraising and not actually do it. Are any of them actually fucking fundraisers? There's only one, and he does major gifts for, like, a university. So he has no idea, like, how to scale it down. And they just have her running in circles. No, we want this reported differently. No, we want a different kind of plan. No, she has to talk about fundraising with them more than actually doing fundraising. And the interim CEO, who is now the CEO, just lets it all fucking happen. And they walk all over her. And then when she asks them for things like, hey – we have a donor putting on a benefit concert. It'd be awesome to have board members there. They have the audacity to say no. And then when she follows up, because only one board member actually showed, they say, well, maybe next time you'll plan an event that we want to go to. Stop it. It's a third-party fundraiser. Yeah. Put on by a fucking donor. Where they raised over $20,000. What? plan an event we want to go to <sighs> so uh they can fuck right off they are no longer a client which is why i'm happy to talk about it now and hopefully soon she will no longer be their fundraiser oh i mean and that's inevitably what happens exactly there is no way she can be successful there like genuinely no. none no. Well, it didn't take long for me to think of one once you started talking because it's in the same theme of yeah overbearing board members right do it and so i had a client not for very long who (laughs) (laughs) didn't last who couldn't keep a fundraiser fundraisers came and went right and the internal knowledge of it was that they couldn't find a way to work with the board because the board micromanaged them and basically drove them out, right? Similar to kind of, you know, the shenanigans you were just talking about. Yeah. And I'd met with the executive director and I felt bad for her. I felt like, you know, here we are, we just came out of this like horrible pandemic. Some organizations were hit harder than others during that. This was one that was hit pretty hard. They were having to rebuild their donor base. They were having to re-engage with donors that they hadn't talked to for many years. And they didn't have a dedicated staff person to do that. And the executive director is a really small nonprofit. Was Her time was just like split between so many different things. She didn't have the time herself to really dedicate to that. And so they hired me to come in and help them kind of put a plan together to get this going with the hopes that they would eventually hire somebody into a position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the red flags were there <laughs> from like the board members essentially like interviewing me before they hired me, but not inviting the executive director to the interview. Like the ED didn't show up. And then I found out later that they didn't even know about it. So kind of like all this power you know, they were both vying for power, who was in charge, who was the one that was really hiring me. And so when I did get hired, I'd said like, I need to know who I'm reporting to, because I don't want 
five different clients, right? I need one person that I'm working with. And so through our time together, they just couldn't get any forward momentum because this board and this committee that they had put together of board members demanded kind of a consensus for all decisions, like every single decision. And then they wondered why they couldn't get anything done. I'm talking about like micromanaging, the writing of something, like the annual report, right? Like how many people who are listening right now who work for a nonprofit, how many has, like, did your board review your annual report before you published it? I would rather die than have that happen. Yes. Like, let alone have five of them that have to all agree on the images used, the verbiage used. So I came in and I was like, you know what? I'll be, for lack of a better term, the sacrificial lamb. I'm going to set some big boundaries and I'm going to help this ED out and the staff out because this board is like more than overstepping and they need somebody to tell them that this is inappropriate. And it's not going to last. Like the staff is going to leave. They're going to continue to leave. And so I started doing that in meetings, calling them out, telling them their behavior was inappropriate, telling them things that they should do. And then when they questioned that and questioned staff, the staff didn't back me up. The ED didn't back me up. Damn. And is it one of those classics like where they won't in the moment, but then they do behind the scenes? Yes, absolutely. Come on. Thank you so much for saying that, Brittany. I've been trying to say that to them forever. But like when we're in the moment where they need to say like, I agree with Brittany, blah, blah, blah. They wouldn't do that. So I lost all credibility. For sure. Yeah. Right. I'm just now an outsider coming in, barking orders. I become the bitch. They're not listening to me. They're not valuing anything that I'm bringing to the situation. And at the end of the day, I realized that, you know, where I was empathetic with the ED, I realized that she's just as culpable in perpetuating their power imbalance. Exactly. I mean, I don't think we've talked about that much on the podcast, but like, the kind of backbone required to be an effective ED, it's really significant because you do have to manage your board. You have to manage your staff. You have to manage all these external relationships. And if you aren't comfortable and confident enough in yourself to stand your ground, you will get rolled over by all these people who, quite frankly, don't know as much as you do. Absolutely. And that is not going to serve your mission. And it's one thing if they're trying to micromanage you. I mean, that's not... Sure. That's not allowed either. But it's another (laughs) thing when they're like micromanaging your staff, right? And you are supposed to be that boundary between your board and your staff to say, nope, I'm sorry, you don't have oversight over my staff. I do, right? And when you let that gate open, oh my God, I mean, there's no way. Staff are going to bail. Yeah. And I don't blame them. There's a reason why you can't get a fundraiser to stay. Mm-hmm. That was cathartic. Thank you. <laughs> that was a good one. Well done. I know. I, I needed to like slough that off. Slough <laughs> <laughs> it off? Gross. <laughs> uh, great, great question. Well, I have a question for you. Yeah. 
if you could work for any organization, any cause, what would it be and what would you be doing there? Oh, that's such a good question. I think the question is, really, is there any cause, any organization that you would consider leaving your own business and going back and working for someone? Yes. Really? Very selective, to be clear. Actually, somebody approached me this week about a local job. And it was I struggled so hard not to laugh on the phone with them. Like, there is no fucking way. Yeah. So the two that I could see myself doing would be a large, like, organizing group, mm, like mm-hmm. political organizing, getting people elected, getting measures passed, et cetera. It would have to be pretty big. And it'd have to be a pretty high level, like a chief of staff kind of role. Something where I would still have a lot of autonomy, but could also really see the impact of the work. Because that's that's the hard thing here, right? Is we're like five steps removed from it. And I do miss yeah. that. That's part of why I really like our political consulting arm is because we can really see the progress of that. Sure. And I still think that what the sector is responsible for, nonprofits, in terms of direct service delivery is awful and will never be successful without significant policy change. So like the issues that our clients are grappling with need that that bigger approach. So that would be one thing that would get me to leave. The other thing I am not even remotely qualified for. Oh, I love it. Tell me, tell me, tell me. It would be as an investigative journalist, like if the Center for Investigative Reporting, Hala Al Letson, I would 100% go work for them. Yeah, you would. You'd be so good at it, too. I want to say it was like the New York Times a year or two back. They hired somebody specifically to cover the nonprofit sector and philanthropy. Nuh-uh. And I looked at the job and was like, this is for journalists. I, I am not that. But That's that would have been really cool, especially because the person who is covering it is doing a super shitty job. That's fair. Yeah, That's fair. And how about you? You know, I don't know. I th- I would never say never. I think it would just have to be all the right things. Yeah. I can't even say what the mission would be, but, you know, it would probably doing some form of work, again, with women's empowerment. Mm-hmm. But it would have to be the right role with the right cause. And I think it would have to be large enough that I felt like it was a challenge. And so I would get excited about learning in that role. Exactly. Like, I think that's the thing for me, too, is I don't want to go back and just have to do the same thing over again. No. I've been there. I've done that. One of my favorite parts of being a consultant is it's a new problem every day, even if there are still like the general large themes. We're always looking for a new way to approach it or a better way to address it or a fun thing to do. Like I just uh, facilitated a staff retreat and decided to like gamify a few pieces of it. And it was so fun. So like that kind of fun innovation, even on like a very micro level, I love doing. And I would want to be in a large enough organization that would really foster that. Yeah, I hear you. I agree with that. Well, what about... You know, as we kind of wrap up here, what are your wishes for the sector? Oh, gosh, my sweet babies. 
(laughs) Well, I think I want to say, just like, hold on. What you're doing is so critically important. I feel like we're hearing more and more of these organizations on the brink. You know, they haven't been able to scale up their revenue to meet the the expenses as those have been increasing with inflation and wages. And I'm really nervous that like we're going to start to see the crumbling of the sector. And I don't want that to happen because we need them. We need all these organizations that are doing such critical work. If we cannot be a fully socialist country, we need our nonprofits. So my my wish is just that people hang on, organizations hang on. We find ways to move through this new reality, this post-COVID reality in better, more collaborative, more equitable ways together. What about for you? You know, I think I agree wholeheartedly with everything that you just said. And the only thing that I would add is a call to those of us who have been in the sector for a little bit longer that we continue to advocate for those that are coming up behind us because this is hard work. It's hard fucking work. And it's work. tough when I see the lack of fundraisers out there. I don't blame them, right? I mean, I'm like, yeah, there's Duh. parts of this. This is really fucking shitty. And yet we need these people to choose this as a career path. Yeah. And so what can we do to make those shifts and those changes within the sector to create a career that somebody actually wants? And then what can we do to mentor those that are just coming into it to help them be successful so that they stay? Oh, I love that. I love all of it. So we record every Monday for an hour and a half. Nia, what are you going to do with that time now? Uh, Campaign. (laughs) Get elected to city council. So how can people learn more about your campaign? Well, yeah, they can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Get it? At Nia for Longmont. That's L-O-N-G-M-O-N-T. It's a fun ride so far. I'm getting to meet a lot of great people. I'm attending so many events. My little introverted self is already struggling, and it's only early August. But I, I think the call back to folks is get involved with your local politics. Like, we need people elected to office that are there not as a hobby, but because they care, because they want to see really important, effective change for their communities. And our system is not set up for those folks. Let me tell you. Right. You're going to have to fight every moment of that campaign or whatever initiative you're part of. But you got to do it. Find ways to lean in. And what about your, you're still going to keep your consulting firm, right? Yeah, I still got to pay the bills. Funny enough, city council does not do that in Longmont, Colorado. So yeah, I'll still be out fundraising, board governance, training, strategic planning, all those good things for folks who need it. And where can they get information about that? Teamprismatic.com. The firm is called Prismatic Consulting. Come find us. Great. And what's going to happen with Brittany Wilson Consulting? Well, you know, now that I have this space opened up in my calendar, I'm really going to spend some time to channel my creativity in other ways and into my business. So 
We'll see. Stay tuned what that looks like. But I've got some launches planned for the fall and I've got some ideas for the new year of things that I want to work on, collaborations. But if you are looking for event support, you know, as you're starting to plan, if you're noticing that you don't quite have the bandwidth inside internally to take on an event, that's what we're here for. Also there for any kind of board trainings that you need around fundraising, coaching that you might have. A lot of people are having to hire greener fundraisers, and I'm happy to be that person to get them up to speed quicker. And then interim. There's a lot of people are, you know, going on, whether it's people are leaving in that space in between someone leaving and hiring, or maybe even if they're on maternity leave, if you need that gap support, you can find me at BrittanyWilson.com. Oh, I think we're rounding the bend. I think this is it. I know. This is where, so the two songs that are playing on repeat in my head is The Doors, which is This Is The End. My only friend, the end, <laughs> and then end of the road. Now we've come to the end of the road. <laughs> like every time I think about recording this episode, that's immediately what starts playing. I'm so glad that we finally got you singing on this podcast. Oh, there it is. Waited to the last possible moment. To all of our fabulous listeners out there, thanks for being with us for this wild, wild journey started back in December of 2019. Here we are, August 2023, saying goodbye for now, and thanks for all the work you do. It has been an honor and a privilege. Thank you for allowing us into your earbuds and listening to us every week. <laughs> It's been more than I ever could have thought it would be in 2019. So thank you all. All right. Thanks, folks. Bye. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind-the-scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors. Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at BrittanyWilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at MissionLaunchCo.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at JakeWalkerMusic.org. Thanks for listening.